The psalmist writes, O God, wash me and cleanse me from my sin. Jesus Christ is the living water. And it is through Jesus Christ that we are washed. We are cleansed of our sin. And so we come to the water this morning. Let us worship God. This past spring, my parents were visiting us from Oklahoma, and they drove. And it was the night before they were going to leave, and we went out to dinner, and we came back to our house. And then they decided, well, we need to get on the road early. So they went ahead and left and went to their hotel so that they could leave early the next morning. Robin and I and Logan and Evan went to bed, and the next morning we got up, and Robin went to go somewhere and went to find her keys, and they were gone. Now, some of you know what that feels like, because you just went, ugh, right? There's something about losing your keys. You've got your whole life in there, and it's such a frustrating thing. So we started looking. For these keys. We looked all over the house. And you know what was more frustrating was that we had used those very keys to get in the house not 12 hours earlier. So what had happened to them during the night? So we looked and looked and looked. We looked in the house. We looked in the car. We looked at the area between the car and the house to see if maybe they had fallen out somewhere. And we could not find them. And the more we looked, the more frustrated we got. And then we started getting, like, worried, and our minds started playing games with us. And we started thinking, well, what if somebody grabbed them? They're going to come in in the middle of the night, you know, and, and they're going to take our cars. What if that happens? And so we just like, oh, we've got to keep looking. Three days we looked. Finally, we said, you know what? We're just going to have to make plans to replace these and hope for the best. The fourth day, I get a call from my mom in Oklahoma. <laughs> the keys were in her suitcase. How they made it from our house to her pocketbook to her suitcase, I don't know. But those keys had driven all the way back to Oklahoma <laughs> in the back of a Lincoln Town car. We spent a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of mental energy looking for those keys. Think if it had been something more important. Today we're going to look at two parables that Jesus told. Two stories about what it means to be lost. And this God that loves us so much that he comes looking for us no matter how lost we think we are. Let us pray. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what it is you want us to learn from you this very day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke 15 is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. Not only do we have the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin in this chapter that Jim read, but we also have the parable of the lost son. The prodigal son is in this chapter. Now, all three of these stories, they come about because of something Jesus was doing that was making religious leaders of the day very angry. You remember, verse 1 of chapter 15 says this, Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. All the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. You see, Jesus was attracting all the wrong sorts of people. 
And the religious leaders of the day were not too happy about it. In fact, the very next verse of this chapter says, the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So the story of the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son are parables that Jesus tells in direct response to this accusation that he welcomes sinners and eats with them. This morning we're going to look at the first of those two, or two of those stories, the first two. And what I want you to do this morning is to find yourself in these stories. Maybe you can identify with one or two of the characters, or maybe there's a part of you that can relate to all of them. And so the first set of characters we should look at are the people who started it all off, those grumblers, the religious leaders of the day. So Jesus had people around him who were sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling. They were upset at what they were seeing. These religious leaders, they knew who was in and who was out. They knew who was clean and who was unclean. They knew who was a sinner and who was a saint. But this Jesus fellow... He not only welcomes sinners and tax collectors, he eats with them. How can he eat with someone who is unclean? How can he welcome someone who God has declared to be beneath? How can he surround himself with those kind of people? Jesus in these stories is describing a basic characteristic of God, that God shows grace and mercy to all. But the Pharisees and the scribes, They just don't get it. In fact, it appears that they find God's mercy offensive. How can God bless them? How can God welcome and accept them? How can the angels in heaven celebrate this fact? Do you see any part of yourself in the Pharisees? I have to confess to you that I do in me. There is sometimes this very human part of me that says, God, you can't really love that person as much as you love me. Look at what that person has done versus what I've done for you. Look at how that person lives versus how I try and live for you. Are you going to love and accept them the same way you love and accept me? But time and again, God reminds me of God's grace and mercy. And the fact is that God gets to decide who God loves, not me. My only decision is to love those whom God loves, and these parables remind us that God loves everyone, even the sinner and the tax collector. But maybe this morning you see yourself in the second group of characters, those tax collectors And those sinners who are coming near to listen to Jesus. Maybe you've been told by someone that you're not the kind of person who merits God's love. You're not the kind of person who is welcome at God's table. Maybe even there's a part of you that's labeled yourself as sinner. And so you have, perhaps unconsciously, told yourself that God is not for me. Christ is not for me. And yet, there's something you find intriguing about this Jesus. And so you're here, listening and wondering. 
Just like the tax collectors and sinners were listening to Jesus that day. And just as then the invitation of Jesus stands, you are welcomed. You are loved. You are redeemed. The lost items in this parable, I think, form a third set of characters. Perhaps this morning you see yourself as the sheep or the coin. What's interesting to me is that both the sheep and the coin were at one time not lost. The sheep was at one time part of the fold. The coin was at one time safe in the purse. But somehow circumstances arose where the sheep became separated from the shepherd and the coin rolled away from the woman. There were once two college friends. They did everything together, including going to the same church and the same college Bible study. And during college, they grew closer and closer to God, and their faith deepened, and they began to understand the love of God more and more. But college ended, and they moved to separate cities, and they tried to keep in touch, but you know how it is. Until one day, about five years later, they were going to be traveling to the same city at the same time, and they arranged to get together. And as they talked, it became clear that one of the friends had continued on with his relationship with God. Sure, that he had had ups and downs, but he was still growing closer to God and opening himself to Christ in the best way he knew how. But the other friend had not. Now, he had not rejected Christ, but slowly, over the years, he had moved further and further away. And so the first friend asked him in all sincerity, what happened? You were so devoted, so open to God. And the second friend answered, I don't know. Life happened. You see, I don't think the sheep and the coin wanted to get lost. I think life happened. Sometimes we find ourselves slowly drifting away from God, not by choice, but by circumstance. And we look up one day and we ask, where am I? How did I find myself here so far away from God? Maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you remember a time when you were so close to God. You remember a time when you were opening yourself to Christ on a daily basis, but then life happened. The good news this morning is that God is still seeking you, no matter how far you might have drifted away. There's another set of characters that we might see ourselves in this morning, and that is one of the 99 sheep or the nine coins. Perhaps you see yourself as one of the good sheep, the sheep that have it all together and don't run off. Or one of the nine coins who's wise enough to stay in the purse and not roll off and get lost. And you know what? If I were one of the 99 sheep, first of all, I would get a little ticked off that the shepherd left me to go and find the one lost sheep. But I would be more upset, quite frankly, that there was a party thrown for this guy. All of us stay right here and we do the right thing and this one guy gets lost and he gets a party? Maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, I never strayed. 
I never let life get in the way of my relationship with God. I stayed right with God. I have it all together. And this is a perfectly human thought to have, but it is not God. Jesus tells us these stories to remind us that God takes more delight in celebrating over one lost sinner than praising or admiring the 99 who think they have it all together. And if we think that something is wrong with this picture, if we think that there should be more of a party for those who are so sure of their righteousness, then we have missed the very heart of God. And finally, we come to the main characters in this story, the characters that I believe represent God. And what do these stories tell us about God? What do we learn about how God acts toward us and thus how we should act toward others? Well, the first thing we learn about God is that God is not limited by our perception of him. Did you notice that in these parables, God is represented by a shepherd and a woman? Now, the Pharisees were already grumbling, but now they're going to be really upset. You see, shepherds were not well regarded in Jesus' time. They were seen as shiftless, thieving, almost thugs. And of course, women were not even noticed or considered to have any role in community life at all, much less religious community. But by describing God in this way, Jesus is doing something pretty amazing He's getting those around him to break down preconceptions and certainties about who God is and how God acts. You see, the Pharisees were certain that they knew God. They knew what God loved and what God did not love. They knew who God accepted and who he did not. But Jesus is saying in his own way here, you don't know. God is bigger than anything you can imagine. And God is not limited by your preconceived notions of who he is and what he can do. The second thing we learn in these parables is that God is a God who seeks and finds. The shepherd, upon discovering one lost sheep, could have said, oh, well, it's only one sheep. It's too difficult to go on a search right now. It's probably lost forever. The woman could have said, well, at least I have nine coins. No need to go on a search for that tenth one. It's not worth much anyway. But that did not happen. Both the shepherd and the woman went looking. They went searching. Brothers and sisters, God comes looking for you period. You are that special to him. You are that precious to him. You don't have to earn God's love or respect. He comes looking for you. You don't have to say the right words or pray the right prayer. God comes looking for you. There is no way you have moved too far away. There is no way you have been lost too long. There is no way you are not worth it. God comes looking for you. So this morning, no matter if you are a Pharisee or a sinner, 
or a tax collector. No matter if you are one of the lost ones or one of the ones that stayed and remained. No matter if you find yourself away from God by choice or because life happens, this fact remains. God wants you. God seeks you. God finds you. And all you have to do is say, here I am. And that is the invitation this morning. To say to God, here I am. I am yours. God, we can hardly get our minds around how much you love us. We want to put conditions on that love, and yet your mercy is wide. Help us to really get, to really understand, to internalize what it means to be sought after by the God of the universe. And help us to daily say to you, here we are. We are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.